listening to the Loving BDSM podcast, episode 289. Kayla Lord's here with the one, the only, I would also say John Brownstone, but I must also introduce Ella, who is our background singer (laughs) for the episode. (laughs) She started meowing right as I was about to start the intro, and we both wanted to giggle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're here, John Brownstone, and I love that about you, but also let us not forget Ella, because she will make sure that we do not forget her. See what I get for not closing the door? That's what happens when you don't close the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're here, and this week we're talking about kink shaming. Welcome to the Loving BDSM podcast. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. Loving BDSM is produced every Tuesday and Friday for your kinky pleasure and education, and show notes are found at lovingbdsm.net. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite podcast app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LovingBDSM, on FetLife at LovingBDSMPC, on Instagram at that handle I will forever fucking hate, Loving DS and the number one, so it's at Loving DS1, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Loving BDSM, where you can watch us live stream the podcast every Wednesday. All links are in the show notes. A big thanks, as always, to our kinky patrons over on Patreon, including our newest peeps. We see you. We love you. We're damn grateful to you every single fucking day. If you'd like to join our community and get access to extra content and a Discord server with a group of super cool, super nice kinksters, join us at patreon.com slash killalords. That's patreon.com slash killalords, or use the link in the show notes. Okay, so for the second week in a row, I have no um, serious announcements other than to just say thekinkery.com exists we uh, are over there. Uh, you're making paddles left and right, and I'm shipping them out left and right. Uh, and uh, if you're thinking of kinky gifts or any gifts to order online for the holidays, not just from us, order early because mm-hmm. shipping's going to be a beast this year. Okay, that's all I wanted to say about that. Let's get into <laughs> the topic. So, this week's topic was. <laughs> on my list to be about shame. And then I went through the archives <laughs> and discovered we already did the episode about shame. But I was like, I was so into the the idea of, I still want to talk about shame because we'd had such a good conversation about mm-hmm. vulnerability where I referenced heavily Brene Brown a lot. And Brene Brown does a lot of work with shame as well. I was like, but I still want to talk about it. So I um, <laughs> was going through stuff and I finally went, wait, but we haven't talked about kink shaming. You found a way to make <laughs> it work. We're talking about shame, damn it, whether anybody likes it or not, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) So uh, we have mentioned whether we perceive something to be kink shaming or not many times over the years, but we've never just really um, talk about how we perceive and view and think about the concept of kink shaming and what is and what is not kink shaming. So I figured let's do that um, today. Yeah, we have an ad. We're still... Still monetized. Mm-hmm. Uh, for podcast listeners, uh, JB is, has pulled us up on uh, his iPad, and uh, he was like, oh, there's an ad. Yes, please. Watch the ad. We need those three pennies. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that struck me when I was really trying to like figure out how we could have another conversation about shame was watching the 2012 Brene Brown TED Talk. It was her second TED Talk. Um, where she was sort of talking about at the time, she was only a year or two out from that first TED Talk on vulnerability. Mm. And even then it had only had like a few million views. And now, good Lord, it's had like tens of millions. Um, uh, And she was sort of like, I can't believe this, right? But she got into the conversation about shame. That's an excellent video. I will try to remember to link it if anybody um, has not watched it, but you can literally go to YouTube and search Brene Brown shame. It'll be the first thing that comes up. She says there are three things that shame needs to grow. 
Okay, if, if you are trying to create shame in somebody else or you're wondering where it came from, it's three things. It's secrecy, it's silence, it's judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the opposite, she says, is if you want to basically kill off shame or not allow shame the space to grow, then you need empathy. Mm. And like many topics we take on around here, that is, this is not really about kink or kink shaming specifically. This is shame in general. This is transferable across the board. Um, that is true in any situation. If you have ever thought about what you feel ashamed of or where somebody has tried to shame you, it's very likely you can kind of pinpoint those three things, secrecy, silence, and judgment. Um, the reason I think, I always find kink shaming confusing, even though I understand mm. where it comes from, mm-hmm. because as kinksters, we are just a cross section of the rest of humanity. We yeah. are no better or worse than any other group because we are we are of the same. We are it's humans. Human, it's humans going to human. Humans going to human, and so humans going to shame one another. But I do always find it so frustrating and confusing that kinksters shame other kinksters because so many people are made to feel shame for being kinksters in the first place, that there's a part of me that goes, but wait, yeah, wait, you probably had to overcome some level of shame or fear or just secrecy about your own desires, but now we're gonna do it to others? That, I mean, make it make sense, because it doesn't to me, except it does, because we are just a cross section of humanity and humans gonna human. So the, the parallel when I, heard her definition of how, where shame comes from, how it kind of forms, makes sense to me because when we as kinksters, everybody everybody has the capacity to kink shame, the mm-hmm. vanilla's kink shame, non-kinksters kink shame, but I give their words a lot less power and credence because yeah. they don't know shit about well, kink well, in my mind. Well, I mean, you, know, you, you can almost not necessarily excuse it, but, um, understand it a little more because they've come from a place of not knowing. Right. And they're, to some they're on extent. the outside looking in making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. But you can be on the inside uh, looking in and make a lot of assumptions. It's where this comes from. But the, the frustrating thing and the thing I want to point out about when something is kink shaming, when we are actually shaming somebody for their kinks is because it tends to be full of judgment, because that's what shaming is, mm-hmm. people then feel like they have to be secretive and silent about it. They can't embrace the thing. They can't admit they do the thing. They can't talk about it with the thing because who else is going to judge them? Then next thing you know, we have just created shame in other people that we probably have had to overcome in ourselves mm-hmm. and would not want for ourselves. That being said, I do not think that everything that gets labeled kink shaming is kink shaming. I think some things that... Uh, uh, probably should get called out as kink shaming, sometimes don't, because if whoever the dominant group is um, in a situation or a space, if they don't understand a thing or like a thing, you, it almost normalizes looking down on a thing. Think about, and I know this still exists, but in the circles I run in, I see it a lot less. When you and I first kind of entered the space of Daddy Dom Little, right? And DDLG mm-hmm. and Caregiver Little and all that, it was extremely common for me to see at the time so much about how DDLG was 
equivalent to pedophilia and age play was equivalent to mm -hmm. pedophilia and we were all sickos who you know you really wanted me to be your daughter and i really wanted you to be my father and there's you know it was like what and i know that that still exists out there i have mm -hmm. crafted for myself a bubble where i don't have to deal with that and i don't have to see it but that le level of harsh judgment that i saw at the time was coming at me from other kinksters and it was in spaces where DDLG was very much the minority. And so the majority mm -hmm. with a few loud people proclaiming that that was wrong or gross or they didn't like it, they didn't understand it, so therefore it wasn't allowed, could turn, you know, the majority has that power to do that yeah. to a minority in any group that we're in. Mm -hmm. And kink shaming is no different. Yeah. I have I sucked mean, up all the oxygen. What do you have to say? <laughs> okay. Um, well, first, I guess. Kylie? Hi, Kylie. Welcome. Um, you know, first I want to say, I, I think, it, you know, there there is such a broad, broad spectrum to all this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, let, let's look at this through through a wide lens for a moment. Something I've noticed over, over the last few years um, you know, I, I, I knew to a certain extent I was kinky in my 20s. Mm -hmm. All right. My, my first partner and I, we engaged in kinky shit. Um, at that time, I had no idea there was a name for this. Mm -hmm. um, all I knew is that I did it and I liked it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know... There were no smartphones. There was no internet. Mm -hmm. No way to find out and connect with other people. Unless you went to certain places, you know, because everything was hidden underground. And you had to know to go to those certain places. Yeah. Or look at those certain publications mm -hmm. or what the codes meant. Oh, I don't know right. how y'all did it back in the day. <laughs> and, and, you know, because of that, I had really no understanding, per se, of, of what I was doing. Now, you know, let, let's fast forward. We have such a wide world with this now um you know not just the internet i mean between podcasts between uh, kinky social networking sites kinky dating sites um you know youtube all these platforms that you know can get the voice out um you know people who are are looking for this are able to find it and and you know educate themselves and embrace themselves at a much younger age, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen through a lot of this, let's face it, you know, and, and power to them. I, I see so many of these younger people coming in and taking on roles of leadership in community, organizing workshops, organizing munches and socials and all these different things. And because they are coming in at such an age, they are making it their own. Mm -hmm. They are embracing it and making their own. And there is a number of folks who have been in the community who are like, oh, no, they shouldn't do this. Oh, yeah. you, you know, what are they doing? They're ruining. They're, they're not they're doing ruining, it the way we've done it for the past they're, 20 they're, years. They're not doing the way it, it's been done. Right. But, you know, let's face it. This is something that has evolved 
in in years you know or maybe it's the way you did it for so many years but i guarantee you, you go back to the original old guard it ain't the way they did it no <laughs> no, no the, the old old guard would look at the 90s kids and be like what the fuck are you doing right <laughs> or they'd be like we don't give a fuck right. we're gonna do our thing over here but you know i i and and i'm i'm a little different too but, you know, I, I, I look at these younger people today coming into the community and things that they're doing, and I'm like, yes, I yes, f- I feel like go for many it. Many of them feel like they have more freedom to express, not full freedom, not always, not in mm-hmm. every situation. And I think younger people are sometimes yeah. even more aware of how much judgment there can be. But uh, I think younger people and newer people to kink, not even about age. Like if you are learning about kink in the year of well, our Lord 2021, mm-hmm. you have access to information that you certainly did not have in the uh, 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it was there, but right. not accessible, right? So for yeah. people who are coming into kink in this time right now, they have access to more information they have access to more groups they have access to more points of view and they're bringing in their own point of view um and i i still remember you know figuring out i was kinky in 2012 and by 2013 being shocked that there that other kinksters would ever judge me whether they judged me because i wasn't doing kink the right way meaning i was advocating online i was saying online is real that really riles some people up they really don't like to hear that your online kink can be real but whatever yeah, yeah. um or it was that the way the kind of kink i was into or the title i used or how i identified was wrong like that i still remember that being a shock um because i still like i just said at the top of this episode get confused by people who have been can be and will be judged for their own kinks turning that judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> to anybody else in the kink community yeah i get why i'm still confused by it those both things can be true mm-hmm. at the same time. um i i do uh, let's back up and talk about what we think kink shaming is you and I, I mean, mm-hmm. and I think this is an important moment to remind everybody that you don't have to completely uh, agree with our definition. You can define it for yourself any way you'd like. That is fine. Um, in general, it is for me the the judgment and the kind of being grossed out by or put off by what somebody else is doing that you mm-hmm. are not into. I uh, fully believe that we get to think whatever the fuck we want. We get to have whatever views we would like, even if I find them abhorrent. You get to think whatever the fuck you'd like. I also believe at this point in my life that not every thought we have in our head has to be said out loud. So kink shaming is not that you're not allowed to think a kink or an activity or a thing or whatever is gross to you or bad to you. Kink shaming is when you decide that that information must be shared with others in order to make yourself feel better or to make somebody feel bad Mm -hmm. or just to express your utter disgust of something that does not even affect you. (laughs) Like you are disgusted by Caregiver Little? Cool. Don't do it. Yeah. You're disgusted by Impact Play? Okay. Don't hit anybody. Don't get hit. It is literally that simple. How do you kind of look at kink shaming and and define it for yourself um 
you know, I, I have a hard time understanding it, I guess, you know, for the same reason you do, because, you know, we're, we're all here for various reasons of, of expressing who we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody is going to express themselves differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's no secret. Everybody has their boundaries. Everybody has hard limits. And, and I have mine. And people all over FED express themselves right. with those things. And they have every right to. It is a space for that. Mm-hmm. All right? And, you know, I'm going to come across it. Sure. It, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And you know what I do? I scroll by it. Right. I, I, I scroll by and, and I go to look for the things that I if enjoy. If it's something I really can't handle seeing, if the platform I'm on gives me that ability, I mute, I block, mm-hmm. I I disconnect from yeah. because I don't want I mean, to see I don't, it. I mean, I don't even I... mute or block. I don't find it offensive in that aspect. Right. But... Some things can be offensive. Well, though. true. Sure, sure. Yeah. But... You know, I, and and that's my way, you know, I, I just go by it and I don't react one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And yet I see people who, you know, slam people for it. And I guess in a way I experienced that too early on in, in FET when, when I first had come out as bisexual at the time, mm-hmm. you know. I thought, oh, I'm in a safe place here. Right. This is this is going to be, and and at that time it wasn't. Sure. <laughs> and even now, there will be spaces even today where yeah, it is not. I that know. is the one thing to to be mindful of. It's the thing I have to remind myself of. I have cultivated spaces where I am not around people that I know of mm-hmm. who are going to kink shame me for calling you daddy. Like yeah. that's part of that's because I just try not to be around people. Oh, at all, uh, even online. <laughs> but also, you know, I've I've sort of, to the best of my abilities, I've weeded those people out mm-hmm. of my feeds if I can. Um, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't still exist. And that's one sort of thing to, to keep in mind when we're talking about kink shaming. Uh, shame of any sort, but in this case, kink shaming. Just because you yourself are not seeing it does not mean that it's it's gone away. Right. And... It does not mean that it does not exist at all. If somebody tells you that they are in a space where they feel shamed for whatever they're into um, and and they've been judged and they've been silenced mm-hmm. and all of that, um, don't disregard what they're saying simply because you yourself no longer experience it or haven't experienced it. It's yeah. Empathy we need empathy in all sure. levels of everything. Um, we need empathy to avoid shaming other people. And when people are trying to tell us about this hard thing that they're going through, we need empathy mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. ourselves have not experienced it. Because you might look at that situation from the outside and go, well, I wouldn't feel shamed about that. That wouldn't kink shame me. Okay, but it's hit somebody else in a way that has that is difficult for them that makes them want to sort of curl up into themselves and withdraw from a community or make some questions. Should they, you know, is, is, are they allowed to do this? Is this kink? Okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with having to look at your kinks at some point or another and go, am I, um, is what I'm doing? Okay. Like let's do a check-in with ourselves. Like, do we have consent of all parties? Um, are we playing as risk 
can't be risk free. Are we mitigating risks risk to the aware. best of our ability? Yeah. Um, do we fully understand the type of play we're engaging in? Those kinds of things. I don't think there's anything wrong to kind of go inward every once in a while and do that, especially if you are doing some serious edge play and you're doing some things that there's like, no matter how you mitigate the harm, like serious harm can easily still happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that people are not impacted by the opinions of others. Do I think it would be lovely if we lived in a world where what you said to me could not possibly hurt me or bother me or upset me? Yes. Do I think that everybody needs to walk on eggshells and let's put the air quotes around that bullshit term PC culture, which PC culture literally means don't be a fucking asshole to people. That's what it actually means. Mm -hmm. Not that you can't say what you think or what you feel that you can't express yourself, but it's the way I was raised. Sometimes, sometimes it's not what you say. It's how you say it because there's a big ass difference between, Oh, I am really not into that kink versus Oh, gross. Who would yeah. do that? I mean, I, I think this Big is... Big ass difference. I, I think those. this is where you could really say the... the uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, some would say an acronym, but I can't remember the acronym. Your kink's not my kink, but your kink's, kink's okay. That, I... I sometimes have to whisper that to myself when I see shit online that I really don't fucking get. Like, mm-hmm. I, ju- I can't... My empathy doesn't work well enough to do the type of empathy where you literally kind of put yourself in their position and go, I wonder what this one's be like. Mm-hmm. There are some things. Mm-mm, mm-mm, I, mm-mm. So I just, I repeat to myself, your kink's not my kink, but your kink's okay. Your kink's not my kink, but your kink's okay. I have seen that weaponized because we go back to, it's not what you say is how you say it. If you say it in a sarcastic, judgy bullshit tone, I know you're, I know, I know, I know that you don't actually mean that. You're just, giving lip service to what you know you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't help that. I can't help the other, how other people see me and how they treat me and how they behave towards me, whether I'm right there in front of them or they're talking about me, like I do, or my kinks. I, I can't help any of that. All I can help is how I react to that and respond to that. But even knowing that doesn't mean that I can't be made to feel shame by a total ass stranger because mm-hmm. what we as individuals never know about the other person on the other side of a screen or the other side of a chat box or whatever is what they've gone through in their life, the things they personally are dealing with and what their sort of buttons are. What are their soft spots where we can cause damage that uh, we don't intend to, but we thoughtlessly you know, throw out a judgy ass statement and now somebody else is hurt and scared to be their kink selves. That's unnecessary. Again, let me go back to, you don't have to fucking walk around on eggshells. Just take two seconds to think about what you're saying before you say it. Express that you don't like yeah. something. Yeah. That's fine. Do not, however, express that that thing is disgusting and grotesque and nobody should do it. That's a completely different kind of statement. Because now you have forgotten that there are people outside of your shell of a human body. And that's not how we can work, live and move and work through life by acting like we are the only one and we are the center of our universe and our universe is all that exists and we don't actually impact the people around us. We absolutely Mm -hmm. impact everybody we come across and it's our choice how we're gonna impact them. And all it takes is a little bit of thought before you speak. 
That's all. It's not don't say what you you think. It's not don't express yourself. I hate that bullshit excuse. And of course, I hear that more in politics and we are not getting into politics here. That's not what this show is about. But that's where I hear it most often. But you, it's every space where humans gather. Somebody's going to be judgy about somebody else. And then when the person who has been judged kind of pushes back or the group pushes back and goes, no, 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 don't shame me. Don't kink shame me. The offending person is going to be like, oh, I can't say anything I want around here. Motherfucker, one, let's go back to point one. Just because you think a thing does not mean you need to say a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's just good life. Yeah. Uh, lessons to know. Two, it's not always what you say, it's how you fucking say it. And yeah. three, if you don't like a thing, don't do a thing. You not liking something doesn't mean the rest of us can't fucking do it. And I always think this is the lesson that non-kinksters need so they can leave us kinksters alone. And then I get really frustrated and ranty because I have to be reminded that kinksters need this message Mm -hmm. because we can't leave each other alone. I know. Even though I know it's human nature, I understand. Mm -hmm. I just don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't like it. Now, that being said, some things that get labeled kink-shaming, I do not think are kink-shaming. Okay. If somebody do expresses tell. a concern about safety and asks, mm. have you considered these risks or points out very real risks to your kinks, they are not kink-shaming you. They're pointing out safety risks, breath play. I have some some kink friends who are adamantly opposed to all breath play. They honestly believe Nobody should really engage in it. It's too dangerous. They do not walk around pointing at breath players going, you can't do that. You're awful. That's not what they do. They do point out the very real risks of breath play, which Mm -hmm. is that people can die because some people take shit too far. And sometimes you don't know. And sometimes accidents happen and all the things that go into breath play and the risks of Mm -hmm. that kind of play. And so that's that's where it becomes so important to, at least in my eyes, to, to not kink shame people because when you kink shame people, it makes them withdraw and then they think, you know, they have to hide what they do when they really need to be out there learning about these things to do them correctly and as safely as possible. And yet we know that the vast majority, of, especially baby kinksters, they see a thing, they go, I want to try a thing. They don't exactly go do a full like master's thesis on it before they go try and choke somebody. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, and this sounds like it has nothing to do with this, but it's just a connection I made. So bear with me. Let's go down an aside here. For the kinkery, I do the social media. And part of what I like to do on the social media is I like to post memes because I like I like funny things. And I'm very particular about the memes I choose. <laughs> very particular about the memes I choose because uh, sometimes I find them distasteful. Sometimes mm. they hit my, ew, gross kind of kink buttons. And I just, I get to choose that. Again, it's one of those moments I go, I don't like that, but I don't have to judge other people for it. Okay. But. All that being said, so I swim in a world of BDSM memes. And I promise you, for every one meme about spanking or bottoms or tops or whatever, whatever, there'll be two or three about choking. There'll be two or three about breath play. Choking and breath play has become a shorthand for, I don't know, that you're kinky or that you wanna like do something wild in bed or something, I don't know. 
And I don't have a problem with, you and I used to play with breath planes. Mm -hmm. I started getting panic attacks and that does suck all the fun out of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so knowing that, having that context, which I recognize not everybody has that context, but having that context, I understand why people will spend a lot of time warning people about the dangers of choking because for, or breath play, because for that kind of play to almost become mainstream as mainstream as sex things ever get, means that all kinds of people from a cross section of humanity are trying it. And I promise you, they are not doing their research first. Mm -hmm. So there is a line between informing and or asking questions like have you considered this do you understand what the risks are versus shaming and i think that's a fine line and i think that i could see somebody saying something about breath play and perceive it as being on the line of safety and somebody else could see it Mm -hmm. and perceive it as being on the line of shaming and i think that that's a debate to have but pointing out safety concerns and explaining the inherent risks of a kink is not automatically kink shaming i just don't believe it how you do it, how you, the tone of your voice, yeah. the words you choose to use, yes, that that changes things. Mm-hmm. But just going, you know, people die from this. It's not shaming you. <laughs> it really is not. <laughs> because I want you to know that people get seriously injured from certain, uh, from all kinds of kink play. Because I want that to inform your decision of whether you're going to do it or not. And and maybe it's the case too of of a little bit of reverse. On a flip side kind of thing, um, where you know the person saying, "Well, you know, people can die from that." Maybe they need a little bit of education on on what it is. Sometimes the person I'm thinking of, highly educated kinkster, okay. not somebody. And again, that's context. So mm-hmm. I know that, and you might see that person and not know that, or see that kind of statement and not know yeah. that. That's where. Is something kink shaming and is it not does have a serious gray area because if you don't know, we can't always know the full context of where somebody's coming from and what they know and don't know. Um, I do think that in general, sometimes I like to start with taking the, uh, a good faith view of something Mm -hmm. until given reason to go, oh, you're just a fucking asshole, never fucking mind. Um, And that's where I like to start from. So I would not um, say that you automatically have to take somebody's concern as them not shaming, but I would also say take somebody's concern and not automatically think that they are shaming you. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's, it's contextual. Yeah. Another thing that I don't, I had to write notes so I would remember this. Um, Not kink shaming, Issues of consent. First of all, (laughs) some of the kinks I see, or some of the things, I I won't call them kinks because I don't think of them as kinks. Some of the activities that people on the internet say they are being kink shamed for are actually illegal activities because the other party cannot consent, okay? You're dealing with underage people, there's no consent there, Mm -hmm. okay? So I don't feel like you're being kink shamed. I feel like you're a predator and we really need to watch you. And also, <laughs> no, issues of consent are not about, are not kink shaming. Yeah. To, I think there, again, I think there's a gray area of who has the, at what point do we think as an outsider, we have the right to kind of dip in and go, honey, is, 
this doesn't seem consensual. And that's a tough call to make because as yeah. kinksters, somebody was pointing out in the live stream chat, and we've talked about this before, um, In I know in the U.S., and I think apparently in Canada, from what the live stream chat is, you legally cannot consent to BDSM. Yeah. There's no legal yeah, ability I, to I do that, that. Right? right? And we've talked about that in the past. Mm -hmm. So technically, if you're looking at it through that, none of us are legally consenting, but we are, mm -hmm. con we're consenting adults, right? <laughs> and that's where the difference is. So it, there, but there's this weird thing of checking to make sure there's consent and st staying out of something because you hit me until I cry with yeah. no context to that situation. Somebody from the outside could be like, why are you abusing that woman? Mm -hmm. Now you and I know what the context is. You right. and I know uh, the tears were good and that was what I was going for. Thanks. I got exactly what I needed out of that session. Mm -hmm. That is a moment where it comes back to, okay, know your time, know your place, know who's around, be very yeah. careful of those things to the best of your ability. But also there are times when we see I mean, that's why I just don't bend you over a park bench and start spanking you, you know. Right. I mean, there are many reasons we don't recommend that, but that is one of them, okay? <laughs> Nobody has context for what yeah. the fuck you're doing. And if they think there's a lack of consent, they did not kink shame you. They tried to protect another human being. So place and time means everything. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I would not accuse somebody of kink shaming you if in public with no context and no warning, you consensually hit me. Nobody knows that, right. right? So yes, when somebody is uncertain about consent, I don't think that's automatically kink shaming. Or if they go, wait, this this individual cannot at all consent because they're underage, mm -hmm. because they're not a human being. I mean, I don't wanna say the words, I don't want YouTube to completely yank us, but y'all know what, what I mean, right? Right, y'all know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. <sighs> That's not kink shaming. We were talking about consent at that point. Uh, I think that gets forgotten sometimes because I have seen arguments blow up in Twitter, which is why I spend very little time in Twitter anymore, where, and it's never the person who is directly involved. Somebody starts a conversation about how they saw something that um, involved a person going after underage people, right? Victims, essentially, let us not call them partners. They were underage and that was who they were pursuing. And somebody starts a conversation online about that phenomenon. And somebody who is not that person, presumably, swoops in and is like, don't kink shame them. That's, that's not kink shaming. That's protecting people who are not legal adults and, and calling out abuse where we see it. And, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a very clear thing. And yes, I think sometimes there's there's a fuzzy line. Yeah. But in general, mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if somebody's asking about the consent of all the parties, yeah. <laughs> they are not kink shaming you. I mean, I, I think what, I, I wanna say a vast majority of the kink community understands I that. I think so. You know, I, they, until there's a pylon on the internet and people feel like they need to take yeah. sides. Um, you know, I, I, I feel that, that most, the vast majority of people in kink understand, you know, your kink's not my kink, but your kink's okay. I, I think it's a, a fairly small minority. I, I, at least I want to feel it, it, it's that way. I believe so. But, you know. I need to believe so, anyway. I mean, again, it, it's like, oh, excuse me. I was reading a blog post today 
Mm-hmm. And it was on, it was a really hot topic. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like scrolling and just, you know, into the whole thing that 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 was going on. And and then towards the end, it came to a a certain part that oh no, that's that's not for me. Uh-huh. And and I, you know, went right by. And you know, there are certain people who would find that little tidbit mm-hmm. and and you know comment on it. Sure. And and there's no need to do that. You know, I I enjoyed the bulk of the story. That one aspect that this person really liked didn't do nothing for me. Sure. But overall, the blog post was wow. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, maybe it's because I, I was always taught, you know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. You know. And I sometimes think that, yes. You know. That, that's so not a bad philosophy it, it, to have. It's, it's not a bad thing to have. And I, I think something like that go a long way to letting people enjoy their kinks. Disagree. I don't want to make it sound like I I disagree with you. I mm-hmm. think one, what somebody else shares of their experience or their fantasies and their yeah. kink, whatever, if they happen to share it online, we as consumers of that content and media have the choice to continue following it because it resonated, or to mm-hmm. disregard a thing mm-hmm. we don't like, or to unfollow. Like the unfollow button is your friend, by the way. Um, so if somebody's kinks. Or, or ways of inhabiting their kink are not to your personal liking. There's no need to say much. You just move on with your life. Mm-hmm. There are literally billions, trillions at this point, of pieces of content to consume. Right. None of us can ever consume them all. Mm-hmm. So moving on, much of the time, is an easy thing to do. And I kind of don't understand why more people don't do it, but especially when they feel like their other option is to shame the fuck out of somebody. I think there are times when speaking up is the right option. Are we talking about safety? Are we talking about consent? Mm -hmm. Are we talking about ongoing harm because of bigger, broader issues in the world? Are we talking about racism? Are we talking about sexism? Are we talking about homophobia? Are we talking about transphobia? I think that if you are in the place to be able to say something and have something to say, there can be a moment for that. Because are we mm-hmm. perpetuating harm with what we're doing? There's a, there's a conversation to be had there. I don't yeah. feel yeah. qualified to be the one to lead those conversations, <laughs> but I think those conversations are worthy of having because yeah. what we do in life inside and outside of kink impacts real people. And it is uh, reflective sometimes of how we are viewed as people and how we view others. And so there's got to be a place to have those conversations. But outside of those moments and those things that do occur and are very real, much of the time when it comes to kink shaming, you're like everyday, uh, I almost said vanilla kink shaming. That's not the word I want, but I I hope hopefully the context of that came through. (coughs) I think most of the time it goes back to the if you don't like something, don't do it yeah. and let us move on. And that is a universal. There is so much outside of kink that if you don't approve of it, 
don't do it. And that's all, you, you don't have to say a word. You just, you just move on with your life. We don't have to shame other people or belittle people or put people down because when we do it to ourselves as kinksters in the context of, ew, you like a thing that I find grotesque. We are doing to those people probably what was done to us. And we are perpetuating cycles of shame where people either are angry and lash out or don't feel like they can trust their own community or don't feel like they have a community, which it can be a dangerous thing when you need a community because something has happened to you mm -hmm. or you are lost and alone in the BDSM wilderness. Um, we also make people feel lesser than and smaller and unseen. And so then they curl inwards and they pull back. And that is maybe a, an amazing voice that the community has lost. That is a person who it has, because of all kinds of other things that are about them and their past and their experiences, but now they have internalized this. Well, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. Maybe this says something about me. You know, and then we're in a shame, they're in a shame spiral that was unnecessary because we as grown ass adults could not take two seconds to go, is it necessary for me to say something? And then another two seconds to go, how should I say that? Truly most of the time, go, is it necessary for me to say something? The answer is no, we move on the fuck with our lives. Okay, <laughs> it's that simple. But if you are gonna say something, and I, I have worried about it here on the podcast many times, there are times I have a visceral reaction mm -hmm. to a thing I don't like. Like I don't control myself fast enough for the look of disgust to go across. There's some <laughs> things I don't like. And I try to remember to go, oh, okay, I really don't like it, but it is fine for you to like it. Go forth, have your fun. And I do mean that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to think that they're not allowed to be disgusted by something. Feel free to be disgusted by something. Yeah. But does the rest of the world need to know in a crowd where you don't know who's into that kink or you very much do know that somebody's into that kink, do they need to know how disgusted you are? Is that necessary? Do we have to put that out into the world? Is that, mm -hmm. is sharing your disgust at what somebody else is doing with their consenting partner, is that necessary? Is that making the world a better place? Are we helping our fellow Kingster at all? I just, I don't think so. Yeah. And weirdly, I had no idea how I had such strong opinions about kink shaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we have mentioned um, a few times, um, in this episode, times that we've kind of experienced kink shaming. Um, mm. For me, it has was, and I never felt like it was truly directed at me because I did not give a fuck. Uh, and I knew it came from uneducated opinions of what our dynamic is. The one that stands out most in my mind from fellow kinksters is anything having to do with Caregiver Little, um, which mm -hmm. is people in the live stream have rightly pointed out that is still ongoing and it happens yeah. all the time. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about what caregiver little is and all of the ways caregiver little manifests. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's my biggest memory within the kink community. I know you mentioned, you know, coming out as bisexual and then right. later pansexual and all that. But can you think of any other times? Like, have you ever gotten shit because you're a daddy? Has anybody ever been like, like, no, judgy with you? I actually, no, I haven't. Um, 
but I think that was kind of a mental block mm-hmm. with me initially. Oh yeah. <laughs> when when you asked if I was a daddy dom, now I I will say this. Um, one of the things I I have seen, and and at least in the old community we were in, it mm-hmm. has changed, thankfully. But um, <laughs> there was a lot of, uh, you know, thing when when DD, DDLG first came about. Um, you know, there there was a lot of um, criticism. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm hitting that coffee too hard I today. Burping you before. I yeah. Right. <laughs> I still remember how. But you know, there there was a a fair amount of of criticism and pushback in the community mm-hmm. when when that started to become a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it born of misunderstanding, as you right. said. And assumptions people and, make about what right. they think is happening. Yes. But now, what I was very happy to see was that it wasn't just, you know, pushed away and, and swept under a rug. Um, the community opened up to it. Mm-hmm. And, and the dungeon there, they actually created a space mm-hmm. in the dungeon as a play space. Mm-hmm. And, and they have, um, you know, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the terms, but like um, where they, they have like play parties. Sure, like where sleepovers. Sleepovers and, yeah. and, and, you know, uh, Disney movies and things like that. Yep. And coloring parties and, and that kind of stuff. Absolutely focused they, on littles, yeah. Yes. And, and, and they have embraced it to that degree, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, I think when a community can embrace a type of either play or power exchange or dynamic or identity that part of the broader community does not understand or misunderstands and they can uh, uh, give it a space to occur safely and for other people to kind of adjust to the fact that it exists it normalizes it within the community and i think certain things like that like caregiver little um play and um dynamics should be normalized um I also understand some communities will invite certain things in so that they can kind of keep an eye on it. Not because the play is necessarily wrong, but are people approaching the play in a legal way, (laughs) in a healthy way? (laughs) Are there people who are coming into the play or the dynamic with a lot of misunderstandings and so they need to be educated? And if you create these spaces within the community for this, Mm -hmm. then you can kind of catch some of that stuff, not all of it, right. before it becomes a problem. You can educate people on it. And again, you can just normalize it. Um, I I have seen, it's been so long since we've been to a dungeon and we've been to a, yeah. a play party. It's been so long. But I can think of times that we sat in the dungeon and I was like, oh God, I really don't like this kind of play. This is, mm-hmm. part of it is I'm not a, I'm not voyeuristic at all. So witnessing anybody else's play of any kind makes me deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I just don't like witnessing it. It's it's too much. I don't want to be there for it. Um, it would be really shitty of me to stand up and go, I am uncomfortable with this and I don't like it. So we shouldn't be doing it. And you're all wrong for letting me sit here and watch you and be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. My job is to remove myself, let people have yeah. their moment in the space that it's designated for. I'm right. the one with the problem. 
I gotta go. Mm-hmm. I'll go find something else to do. I'll be back when it's my turn to play. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> then, then it's time to go to the social area mm-hmm. and and sit and chat with folks, or right. step outside and get a fresh breath, a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah. And and <laughs> like we mentioned before in the live stream chat, was having a good bit of conversation about, and I agree with completely. If the kink is perpetuating harm or potentially perpetuating harm, that's a conversation to have. I think that's okay to question that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. what kind of play is this? Where is it coming from? Let Let's have a, a community conversation about it. Yeah. Um, but just not liking something or disapproving of it because you don't think it's the way to do kink. No, that's, yeah. that's not, that. that's kink shaming, mm-hmm. you know? That's that's inserting yourself in somebody else's yeah. moment, somebody else's dynamic, somebody else's kink. You are not invited. And I, and <laughs> They're I, over there living their best it, life. It just came to my mind now, I don't know why, but I, I think what the, the, the newer thing that they say now is don't yuck on my yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that expression. Don't yuck on my yum. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Nobody is requiring you to like what I like. I yeah. don't care if you like mm-hmm. what I like. I don't care if you hate what I like. You don't care if I hate what you like. There are a lot of things people like. People, I, I adore them as human beings and as kinksters. And I'm grateful they're in my community. And they are into some shit that I am personally grossed out by. What is my personal feeling about it have to do with what the fuck they're doing in their personal life? Not a goddamn thing. And that is how I feel about kink shaming. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the the real problem though is even though you know we have strong feelings about kink shaming and we know that much of what some kink shame much some I don't know I don't know what the ratios are but there is kink shaming that occurs simply because of misunderstanding of how how a dynamic works or how the play works or just, Mm -hmm. and often it's willfully misunderstanding. Like, are you really a kinkster in a kink space? And you're making the assumption that two adults who are into caregiver little are doing something incestuous or that's pedophilia. Like really that is the bad faith assumption you just made about people. One, you don't know. And two, in a space where we all do some shit that could get us arrested if we did it in public. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, (laughs) and I, you know, I get, you haven't been able to tell, I get frustrated by it. Um, (laughs) And I, and I lost my train of thought, but we all know it's because I'm ranting so much. Yes. Last week is because I was chaotic. This week is because I'm ranting. (laughs) Most of the time, kink shaming is some bullshit. Every once in a while, it there's it's not shaming. It's like a legit question. Some things can can truly be harmful, and we need to deal with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, don't yuck on anybody else's yum. Right. And if it don't affect you, and it does not perpetuate harm, that's a whole thing. I keep saying it. I just want to put that caveat in there. Uh, if it doesn't affect you, why do you care? Yeah. Just don't like it just, and move just on. Move on and, and go do your thing. Right. Exactly. And have fun doing it. Do it, you know, as safely as possible. And Because why are we as kinksters who either have been or could easily lose family and friends, jobs, custody of children, be shamed ourselves from the outside mm-hmm. of the kink community, from others who don't know have a, don't have a fucking clue what we do. Why, why, why we do it within the other? community? Yeah. It makes no sense. No mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. I know part of the problem is, it, so the beauty of the internet is that people feel less alone and isolated and things that 
you know, you had to figure out on your own in your bedroom in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you found a magazine or an adult store and you got the secret code and like could find people. <laughs> right. But, you know, the Internet makes it easier to get access to the communities, to the information, to what possibilities are to feel less alone. Mm-hmm. The problem with the Internet is that it's easy to pile up on people and to have groupthink. And for two sides to be shouting about a thing that if they had to face one another in a room, they would never shout about it. They might have a conversation about it. It might never come up. And so a lot of the kink shaming, even though I know kink shaming definitely exists in person, in communities. Absolutely. A lot of it I see is online because we get dog piles. One person comments they don't like a thing and all they do is they comment they don't like a thing and some rando from the other side of the internet shows up and goes, you're kink shaming. I'm like, no, I'm talking about how I don't like a thing. (laughs) Or somebody doesn't like a thing but talks about how disgusting it is, how evil it is, how whatever it is and then gets mad when somebody's like, why are you being so shamey and judgy? Like, okay. Okay, you don't have to like it. And then we get shouting matches and and the Mm -hmm. anger is amplified. And the idea of kink shaming is amplified. And it's very stressful and it's why I'm starting to just like hibernate in my house with a book in the corner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so, is there more we could probably say? Probably. Oh, yeah. But I've ranted enough that my throat hurts. So is there anything else you would like to add? I, I think we... You know, I think this is the first episode in a while where we did not immediately see eye to eye. I know. There's a shade of gray and we're like mm-hmm. dancing along that that gray line. Mm. Mm. It happens. It happens. It happens. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that... That is uh, that on kink shaming. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're watching on YouTube uh, where there's comment sections and live chat, feel free to drop how you feel about it, uh, how you see kink shaming. Uh, If you feel safe and comfortable, do so your experiences with Mm -hmm. kink shaming. Um, uh, Podcast listeners, talk to us on socials. uh, Reach out and email. I'm very slow about replying to emails right now. The emotional energy tank is on empty right now, (laughs) but you can email or message us on Mm -hmm. FetLife. All we ever ask is that you can say what you got to say. Please don't be an asshole because I definitely ignore the assholes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I try to present my um, opinions in a way that is hopefully non-judgmental and um, about my opinions and without putting them on somebody else, I ask the same in return. Yeah. That's, that's all I think we ever ask. It's just mm-hmm. make your opinions about you and not about the rest of us. Mm. So... Okay. Okay. I think so. Are we good? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> but we're here, so yeah, there's that's, that. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. All right. Okay. So, ready? Sure. Okay. Keep, Keep it, it kinky, kinky y'all. y'all. <laughs> See you next week. Baby girl. <laughs> Don't get the crickets, please. I, I thought your throat hurts and, you know, it, you you such heavy ranting that, you know, it so does, but you, if, you should rest your voice now, I if believe. If I don't beg weekly to talk to the crickets, they're going to think I don't love them anymore. I don't think they would think that. I think they would understand. I would never want them to ever for a moment wonder, does she not want to talk to us? Did she stop loving us? Why isn't she begging her daddy to but talk to us? But what about your poor throat? 
that is a, a, a hazard of the job. Carry on and talk to the crickets, girl. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to report for anybody who is keeping up with the 85 million things going on around here that um, temporarily we finally have another car. And our car that got crunched in mid-October will start getting fixed next week. A month after the the crunching occurred yeah but the rental car we got i'm very grateful i'm you know every once in a while you wonder why my really is is all this money i pay towards insurance is it worth it and it doesn't feel worth it until something happens yeah. and right now i when i it's a saga but when i finally got on the phone with the insurance company they took care of the car rental in such a way that i had, did have to pay a deposit which we'll get back but that was all i had to do <laughs> and it was easy and seamless. And so I am grateful <laughs> for the money spent on insurance at this moment. However, and I am not trying to shame anybody out there who loves their minivan. If you love your minivan, you go right on ahead and love the fuck out of it. But when I saw that the rental place was having us drive a minivan, a little part of me on the inside curled up and cried. Well, what, <laughs> was, like what was very funny was leading up to this time when she found out we were going to get a rental, she was like, you know, I hope we don't end up with something like a little Yaris or, you know, a little, a hatchback. little Only because little we tiny need to be hatchback. big enough or we're going to be cramped. That's what I was worried about. I, I hope we don't get a little tiny mini car. I hope we don't get... <laughs> Even though we I love did driving not. those, by the way. I we like driving not. small cars. <laughs> we did not. I, I, it's a beautiful minivan. It is, it is it's absolutely gorgeous. beautiful. I have not driven it yet, but I do feel like it's going to feel like I'm driving a boat. I, I am. Well, you know, I, I am used to driving something fairly sizable with the with the uh, RAV. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This takes it to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. So my fear, my big fear is that I'm going to fucking love driving the mini. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I realized, so our vehicles, my crunched up Corolla is a 2012. Mm -hmm. Your RAV is a 2009. They are fully yeah. fucking paid for, and that is why we keep driving them. Okay, That's thanks. That's right. Um, and the year, the 2012 Corolla was, I think, the last year that certain things were not made standard in even basic Toyota vehicles. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have a backup camera. I don't have a Bluetooth nothing. There ain't nothing push button in these cars, okay? We don't have the crank handle. I mean, we are, it's power windows. Yeah. <laughs> we are in this century, so that's good. Yeah. But I, we walk into the Enterprise car rental place, and I'm looking at the keys, you know, that they, and I'm realizing that every set of keys they have are the kind where it's going to be a push start. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've only driven one vehicle like that twice, and it's my mom's car. And I, the first time, she once she realized I didn't even know how to start the car, she went, fuck it. <laughs> I'm, you're not driving me anywhere. Get out. I will drive. And then I'm like, at the next, like, we got to the grocery store, and she let me drive after that. <laughs> but she was very nervous. Um, I was like, oh, my God. They're going to give us a vehicle that is clearly newer than 09 or 12. I don't want to get spoiled by technology I don't have in my well, cars. <laughs> I tell you what. Don't I'll give tell me you the what. Good stuff. I I in just a short time driving it from mm -hmm. the rental 
lot to Starbucks and home. Mm-hmm. I like it. Now, yeah, it's so big to me. You ended up behind me. Yeah. You went to Starbucks to pick up our coffees. Mm-hmm. I went to Publix to get milk and bread and stuff like that. Yeah. And somehow, Starbucks took so long, and I apparently sped through the grocery store, we ended up back out on the road at the same time. Well, what ended up happening after I left Starbucks, um, I still had to readjust the side mirrors and the seat. And, And then the car asked me if I wanted to sync my phone. It asked you? Yes. Did a voice? No. Audibly? Okay. No. It, it did not. Because if the car it, stops it did, tar- starts it did not, talking to me, I'm out. Well, here's what was When fu- I'm in the car, I talk to myself, damn it. I'm not talking to anybody Here's what else. was funny. Initially, it did not speak to me. It asked me if I wanted to sync my phone. Mm-hmm. And I said, hell yes. Oh, God. You're going to spoil yourself. You're going to be so disappointed when we so, have to get this car back. So I, so I did. <laughs> And then it said, push the button on the steering wheel to activate Siri. So I pushed the button, and then Siri asked, hello. No, I don't need the car talking to me. Hello, how can I help you? What can I do for you? No. And I was like, Siri, play Spotify. No. (laughs) And bam, there it was. My playlist. So anyway, after, <laughs> after you played with the rental, you ended up on the road behind me. Yes. And I and it was funny because I saw a van and I went, ah, oh, does that look like the van we rent? <laughs> Didn't realize it was you because looking at the the vehicle from one angle, it's a very dark gray. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a nice gray. I like the yeah. color. In the sun, it looked silver. Okay. And so I didn't think it was you. Well, okay, good. So ahead. then we're driving and we get up to like whatever that red light was and you honk at me. Yeah. And I look at my rear view because I'm like, who the fuck's honking? The light just turned green. There's no need to honk. I'm about to get angry. Road rage. I look and it's you and all I see, what looks like this big van to me. <laughs> I'm sure it's not, but it looks like a big van to me. Is this Now, now here's the funny part. When I made the turn off of the main road, you were pulling out of Publix. Mm-hmm. I was behind you from that point. Mm-hmm. When we got to the first light up there, now I navigated the whole thing with the mirrors. Mm-hmm. I navigated the whole thing with getting my phone synced. And Which I will promptly change when it's my turn to sit down in it. It's oh, you funny. can add. You, you just I don't add care it. about the phone part. Yeah. I mean the mirror part. Okay. And I'm not syncing my phone. You know, I, I, I figured out the, a, the whole AC system with no problem and all that. When I got up behind you at that first light, where's the horn? Where's the horn? <laughs> <laughs> it took me up to that next light. That's... Figure hilarious. out where the horn was. So that is hilarious. Yeah, I know, you know, and I was about to get offended. <laughs> like, who the fuck is honking? Because around here, I don't know how it is anywhere else, but lately around here, you almost have to honk at every green light because whoever is the first person is not paying any damn attention. They're on their phone. They're on their phone. They're not paying any attention. And a few, some a couple times, I have been caught at a damn light multiple times. Had to mm-hmm. sit through it because somebody didn't fucking go. Yeah. So I'm used to hearing the horn honking. Somebody's honking a horn somewhere. But I was like. 
time to go. What? Huh? And I just happened to see you, like, in my <laughs> rear view. But I don't know. Yeah, I am, I'm very nervous about being spoiled. I'm a little scared of driving it. I know I have to drive mm-hmm. it because I'm the one who takes the 12-year-old to school in the morning. Yes. And starting tomorrow, the 16-year-old gets to drive the RAV under very specific circumstances. Yeah. And then we have this rental to drive for everything else. And the one thing we won't do is when you need to go to like the sawmill, we're not putting wood no. in that rental. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're not putting wood in that no, rental. No, Um, We'll work that out. But right. um, yeah. Yeah. No, to get to the point where I could, we Take could have care, the Mr. rental. Take care, Mr. Spock. To get to the point where we could have the rental at all mm-hmm. was the saga. Yeah. So two weeks ago, when we realized that the yeah, first body shop <laughs> was could not start work until January. Yeah. I was immediately trying to contact the insurance company and go, okay, what are our options here? How has this been working? You know, can we get the car to another body shop? Like what what can happen? And Geico says, we prefer it if you contact us through your mobile app or the website. And I had a little contact button that was supposed to go straight to my claims adjuster. And so I did that twice. No, I did it once and got no answer, got no answer, got no answer. And then was it last week? It might've been the week before. I thought it was last week. I called twice in one day, was on hold for 40 minutes both times with nobody to answer. And the call dropped both times after 40 minutes. And that day I went, oh, fuck this shit. And I sent another message. I'm like, you know what? I get it. Every industry under the fucking sun right now is short staffed and backed up. And okay, I'm gonna be patient. So I sent another message basically going, how do we work the car rental? How do we move the car to the body shop? Is that covered? Like what? These are extenuating circumstances. How does this affect our policy? Somebody help me. Got nothing, got nothing. And we had finally gotten confirmation from the new body shop that they could start work on the 15th of November. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it. I, we gotta get a rental car now because now we know we only had 30 days on our rental through the insurance company. I was trying to make sure the timing of that was correct. Cause the last thing you want is to have the rental for 30 days. And then on day 31, that's when your car starts being fixed and you gotta yeah. get the rental car back. What the fuck would be the point? So me who does not like talking on the phone do not use my phone for that purpose. Thank you very much. Went on an odyssey that started <laughs> on Monday. And I had to get through my day's work first. And just a little bit before four, maybe 3.45, I call Geico. I call the number that I think is the claims adjuster number that I need to call. It's one of the numbers in the app where they're like, this is a number to call. I call. I'm on hold for an hour and 15 minutes. It was... Like right at five, just after five, when a human picked up the phone. Hmm. I explained what I'm trying to do. Hey, we've got to figure out how to get the car moved to the new body shop. What's covered, what isn't. I want to talk about what I can do with the rental, blah, 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 blah. And he goes very politely, oh, we're the wrong department for that. You need to talk to the auto something, something, something adjuster. But they closed, they shut down at 4.30, which was uh, 30 minutes earlier and I was on hold during that time. So they're like, but I'll send an email to that adjuster. Here's their direct number. You can call them tomorrow. And then he offered to transfer me and I don't know why. Who the fuck was I gonna talk to if the adjuster left at 4.30 and it was five, (laughs) but fine, I I ended that call. I call back the next day. I did it early. 
early. I was like, I have work I need mm -hmm. to do to earn a living and pay a mortgage, but I've got to get this settled. And clearly four o'clock's not a good time to call. So drop the kids off, come home, make my first call. Call the number that the person gave me. Waited on hold for 20 minutes. That person picks up. I explain the situation. Oh, no, we are not the ones who can help you with that. At this point in the claims process, you need something, 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 something adjuster. Okay. They gave me the number. It was the number I had called two weeks ago and the call kept getting dropped after the 40 minute mark. I'm like, fuck. So I take a breath. I call that number and I'm on hold. And I'm on hold. And I'm also have decided when I call this third fucking number that if that person tells me that's the wrong department, I was not hanging up that phone until they connected me to a human body who was the right person. And uh, -uh I'm never going to be rude to a customer service person because I have done that fucking job. But we were going to be firm. So I'm on hold. I'm on hold. I'm on hold. And I go, I'm, I'm going to I need to make myself a coffee. And then I realize, oh, shit. I'm doing work cooking dinner tonight and it was crock pot and I was making chili and I was like, shit, I gotta get that ready. And I went, here's how these things work. A human will pick up this call when it's at the most inconvenient time. So let me do something so there's lots of inconvenient things and maybe I can make the cosmos work in my favor. I was on hold for so fucking long that I chopped onions, I browned, browned ground beef, I got the chili started. And it was right as I was about to wash the dishes I had dirtied that that's when a human picked up 50 <laughs> minutes of being on hold for that particular call. The only saving grace of that is it was the right person and she did everything. She had me off the phone in about 15 minutes after that. The um, towing was covered and she had it scheduled. The car rental was reserved. Done. Done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I looked at the time I started calling to the time it was finally resolved. And that was two hours yesterday. There's not enough coffee is all I have to say about that. There's not enough coffee. There's not enough coffee. But we're driving my first ever minivan. Yeah. It actually is beautiful on the inside. Mm -hmm. I know it's gonna make me rethink my stance on not really liking minivans. I get it. I get it. I know it will. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to have my mind changed. <laughs> Can't I just be set in my ways? I just want to be set in my ways. It's time to ex expand your horizons my and horizons push boundaries. My horizons are quite expanded. <laughs> my boundaries are at their fucking limits at this point. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, that's my saga. What's yours? After that, I got nothing. I, I can't. I, I win. I, I cannot follow. <laughs> nothing I could say. Um, oh my god. Yeah, no, nothing. There's there's nothing. Nothing. Oh my god. Not a thing. Oh, it's <laughs> it's starting to be settled. You have to make a call and go through your own saga with the insurance yeah, company. Yeah, I I do yourself. I, I do. I'm I, not part of that one. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, I know, and and that's. My own fault. I put it off because I was hoping for a grand miracle. That's never going to happen. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the things are slowly starting to calm down in the vehicle department. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're mostly excited that uh, for, for a little bit 
there will be a two car family again and the 16 year old can drive his own damn self places mm-hmm. with very tight restrictions because oh, yeah. um yeah he, we want to minimize the chance of accidents happening while he's driving the rav because i don't want to have both vehicles uh, in the body shop thanks so my rav may, may be old and rough mm-hmm. around the edges but i love that stupid car mm-hmm. I do too. I'm still not used to driving it. It doesn't handle the way my Corolla yeah. handles, obviously. And I love how my Corolla handles. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I no, I would be very sad. I, I would just cry and pour mm-hmm. if uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens to yeah. the vehicles. We can. We are not buying a new car. No. I don't care what the siren song of the 2020 or 2021 or whatever that minivan is. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, uh, draw me in with your technology and your Bluetooth and your push button start all you want. I will resist. I can't afford a car yeah. payment. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, on another note that has nothing to do with uh, our car woes, the 12 year old is experiencing his first band practice stuff mm-hmm. this week. So even mm-hmm. as first year middle school, sixth grade, I don't know how that translates for anybody who's in the UK or Europe or Canada, but He's 12. Um, that year of school. Uh, brand new playing the band in the band and playing a musical instrument. They are allowed to join the older kids in marching stuff, like they march for the Christmas parades. And so he's going to a music practice this afternoon to get help playing the actual music. And then starting tomorrow on Thursday, every week for like four or five weeks, he mm-hmm. has marching practice mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And my little band geek heart has just grown three sizes because it was so <laughs> much fun when the 16 year old went through it. Yeah. And now the 12 year old's going through it. Now, are we running around more often and our schedules are more chaotic? Yes. Yeah, of course. But I don't mind. Our indoor cat yeah. is venturing outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, willingly, like we're not pushing him to go outside and do something. He's like, I shall carry this uh, musical instrument around my neck because it's a saxophone and he's got a neck strap. Uh, and I will walk and try and walk in step with the people around me. Sure. And I'm like, okay, go for it, dude. So, and somebody asked, he plays the alto saxophone. Uh, his band teacher did not know it, but that is continuing the tradition of when I played the alto saxophone. Um, he was a little disappointed. He wanted to play the tenor saxophone. I'm like, well, get good at the alto and then you can start incorporating more instruments. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. Um, the fur babies are great. Uh, Ella and Onyx we watched them nose boop several times and that's in addition to the times we've mentioned in past bonus sections and now they have started creating habits where they will actually like lay on the same couch a few feet apart or lay in a general area a few feet apart not making eye contact they're not looking at one another but they will be in each other's space yeah they they are are sleeping closer and closer to each other so i i think they are are um you know, coming to some kind of terms. Mm-hmm. Um, Lola, she is doing wonderful. Um, have have learned that uh, for a while there, she she did not want to go outside. She did not like going outside. Yeah. And and since the weather here has turned and and we've gotten nicer weather, she has been going outside. So it seems she does not like hot weather. Um, the temperate weather that we have been having lately. Oh, it's wonderful. It it is beautiful. Um, and she is going outside and, and 
actually sunning herself. So she she's you know going out more, and and she's just the the sweet little, well not little, uh, chonky girl chonky that she girl. is. Um, but she's her you know love bug cuddly self and. Every morning when I wake her up, you know, she she gets her belly rubs and started a, a, a new thing where I've been brushing her in the, every morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's she's been getting all her treats and whatnot, and she's just a, a happy, happy girl. She is. She's and, the best uh, good girl. Someone asked how I've been doing. I, I am doing very well. Um, I, I think I can pretty much say I'm... Pretty well recovered from being hit by a fucking literal car. So, a literal fucking car. Oh, see, I can't even say it right. I can't say it the way you do. I will be pointing out that you were hit by a literal fucking car <laughs> for the next 20 years of our lives. And if you ever let it happen again. I didn't let it happen the first time. <laughs> the first time is an accident. The second time is a choice. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, no, I, I am feeling much better. Um... All, all the bruising is completely gone. Um, I, I have been able to start wearing a belt again. Mm-hmm. You're working full days. Um, I'm working full days and then some outside. Yeah, I have to go out to the shop and go, do you know what time it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you coming in? <laughs> right. So, um, you know, uh, I mean, as much as I can anyway, with my back to begin with, I'm walking upright again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing, doing much better at this point. Um, I, I kind of knew it was going to take a little bit for me to literal fucking car <laughs> Yeah. to, to bounce back from it. Um, a little longer than I thought it would, but you know, you, from all we, from all we know, you probably bounced off the fucking car, okay? <laughs> and anybody who bounces off the car is gonna need time to recover. But you're also a 60-year-old man with a bad back who was hit by a literal fucking car. And you're over here like, I can't believe it took me a month <laughs> to recuperate from getting hit by a literal fucking car. More than a month. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. That's plenty. That's, that's pretty much it. Another, you know. another week in the drama that is our life. Yeah. We just keep, you know, moving along, moving along. That's all One we can foot do. in front of the other. That's all we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's more than enough. Yeah. Uh, thank y'all for uh, sticking with us till this bitter end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hanging out for uh, a ranty episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Mm-hmm. We love y'all. Yeah. Bye.